Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. So this week's been a pretty tough week at the big bad bank that I work for. A lot of people, as promised at the beginning of the year under new management who came in to clean house, have uh, started to lose their jobs. There have been a lot of displacement at the place I work. Um, Some news headlines estimate that as many as 50,000 people of the 250-some thousand people that work at the company that I work for may lose their job when it's all said and done. Um, I'm thankful that uh, I didn't lose my job yet. But today I want to talk about that time that I was laid off from work and tips for handling job loss because as I look not only at my own situation and the things that uh, a lot of people in my company are facing, um, but as I look at the broader economy and what's happening out there in the world due to COVID and all the job losses that have happened as a result of uh, COVID and governors and governments shutting things down. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people lose their job. And, you know, I thought it might be a good idea to do a podcast uh, to kind of talk everybody through this a little bit and share my own experiences and how you can better handle job loss. So today is episode 84, in which I'm going to do that for the jimmystable.com podcast. But before I do that, I want to play this clip from George Clooney's movie, Up in the Air, in which George Clooney stars as a guy whose sole job it is to go around and lay people off for a living. So let me go ahead and play that brief clip now. On a stress level, I've heard that losing your job is like a death in the family. But personally, I feel more like the people I worked with were my family and I died. I can't afford to be unemployed. I have a house payment. I have children. I don't know how you can live with yourself, but I'm sure that you'll find a way while the rest of us are suffering. Who are you, man? Excellent question. Who the am I? Poor Steve has worked here for seven years. He's never had a meeting with me before, or passed me in the hall, or told me a story in the break room. And that's because I don't work here. I work for another company that lends me out to plug Steve's boss who don't have the balls to sack their own employees. And in some cases for good reason, because people do crazy when they get fired. Did did I do something wrong? I mean, is there something I can do differently here? This is not an assessment of your productivity. You gotta try not to take this personally. And that's the entire difficulty of being laid off isn't it? Try not to take it personally. It's just business after all. But, you know, for something that you and I spend 40, 50, 60 plus hours a week doing for 30, 40, 50 years of our lives, it's kind of hard to not take it personally. So in order to, to fight that, though, corporations will often bring in consultants, such as they did in this movie, or they will have some human resources individual that you've never seen um, notify you of your being laid off. For me, it was a Wednesday morning, uh, six months into my marriage, about seven years ago, and I came into work on a Wednesday. 
And early in the morning, I received a notification that in about an hour, I needed to attend a mandatory meeting in the conference room. That, that whatever phone calls or conference calls or whatever I had scheduled for the day were officially canceled and that I needed to report. Well, the buddies that I worked with in my cubicle area, they all received that notification too. And uh, kind of swallowed my throat there and thought, well... Maybe it could be a layoff, but I don't know. Maybe it's just something big that's happening in the company and they need to notify us. Maybe we're being given new roles or something. So we all made our way down to the conference room. I think it was a conference room had about 50 or 60 people in it. And up front sat some lady in a nice suit with a box of Kleenex at the end of each table row that I was sitting on. And she had a bunch of packets in her hand. We all knew. Right then and there, folks started tearing up. It was kind of surreal as they kind of explained, um, you know, what was happening, how we were all being let go. We were all being given a 60 days working notice and then depending or 60 days non-working notice and then depending on our tenure, at the bank, you know, we were going to receive a certain severance package, which would go into effect after those 60 days were let off. And so it all happened pretty quick. Um, we all kind of cried, said our goodbyes, and within half an hour, it was all done. Uh, and I tried to call my wife, who was at home. It was uh, during her vacation, and I was calling to let her know that uh, I was on the way home and that I had some bad news, but she didn't answer. Uh, so uh, I made my way home and uh, walked through the door and turns out she'd been talking to her mom or somebody on the phone. Um, and there she was sitting on the couch watching TV and uh, she looked at me really strange like, what are you doing home? It's not even noon. And that's when I got to break to my wife that I've been married to for only six months. <laughs> that her husband, her knight in shining armor, had uh, been let go of his job. Uh, that was tough. That was something I didn't plan for. That was something I didn't expect. Um, I thought I had a great job with a great company. Um, and that I had a lot of job security because I knew... You know, loan volume and where I was working at, the department I was working at was relatively high. We provided a very important legal service to the bank that I worked for. Um, one that I thought, hey, you know, this seems like a job that's not just going to go away. Um, you know, one that I know is going to be around probably for quite some time. But only, I'd say it was about a year and a half, two years into my job that I was at after uh, having made such a wonderful career change from my prior position that I lost my job. And it was tough. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't exactly go into mortgage because that was my background. If you recall from prior stories that I've told um, on this podcast about my life that uh, I kind of happened to just fall into the world of mortgage underwriting. I went to I went to college to be a pastor. I went to Bible college and seminary. 
I was trained in theology, and, and while I had some banking and finance type legal type background and some education that I took uh, for some college classes and stuff like that, and additional certification once, um, <laughs> I didn't exactly know where I was going to get my next paycheck from except for the ones that the company had promised. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty hanging over my future, and I felt like a lot of things were outside of my control. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed to do it quick. And today's podcast, I want to kind of share to you, everybody, my thoughts about, um, you know, what I did. And uh, for those of you who are facing job loss right now or know that it's a possibility that you may face it yet again in the future, I want to share you some practical tips and philosophies, if you will, about work, about dealing with layoffs, um, and how to handle it. Lucky for me, my story ended nicely. Um, about uh, three months later, I was able to uh, find another job, get rehired with the same company that had just laid me off, and I've been working for that company ever since. Um, and now that uh, I know that the proverbial writing is on the wall. I've started to financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, and in every other way, prepare myself for the very real possibility that I could lose my job yet again. Um, and uh, to be prepared for when it happens. Um, because, you know, in my opinion, job loss... It's pretty much inevitable. And it's not one of those things that a lot of people prepare you for in life. Um, you, you're kind of fed this narrative in our world that uh, you go to school, you work hard in school, you get a job, and then you work hard for the rest of your life until you retire, and that's that. <laughs> but life seldom works out that way. Job loss, I believe, is one of those things that um, we need to ultimately prepare ourselves for um, from a very early stage in our careers and our lives um, because just from my observation, my personal observations that I've seen over the years, it's just going to happen at some point. It's not a matter of if you're going to lose your job, but when. For example, when I was born in the early 1980s, my father was an electrician working in the steel mills around Chicago. Unemployment was rampant and had been kind of that way for a long time, just coming off the, the, the Jimmy Carter era and uh, rampant high inflation, rampant high unemployment, uh, and a very troubled, difficult economy. The economy was shifting, and uh, my father was getting sifted in that shifting. Um, several years before I was born, while my mom was dating my dad and even uh, in the initial couple years that I was born, my father was regularly in and out of work. And he was a talented, skilled um, electrician by trade. He was very good at his job, um, and he was very skilled, yet regularly he found himself on the unemployment line and looking for a new job. At any given time, even in healthy economies, uh, at least 4% of the workforce is unemployed. Um, currently, that 
sits at 8%. And at the height of the current crisis, so far as we have experienced um, due to COVID, uh, the unemployment rate was as high as 15%. And some even think it might have been as high as 20 depending on how you do the math. And that all kind of happened pretty suddenly. Uh, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we should kind of live with the expectation that it will happen. And I think we often get lulled into a false sense of complacency when it comes to employment, when it comes to job security. We, we long for job security, and we often think so long as we have a paycheck and work to do every day um, that we have a sense of job security. But I think it's time that we all realize that in truth, there's really never been such a thing as job security, and there never will be. We live in a fickle and broken world with broken systems. Um, supply and demand are regularly in flux. And try as we might through trade unions and certain politicians who promise us that they can stop these economic forces that result in job loss, the truth of the matter is... No, you can't. Nobody can. And I don't care what they promise. I don't care what the trade union represent promise, uh, promises. I don't care what Uncle Bernie Sanders and his friends promise. Um, there is no such thing as job security. It's Anybody who promises you such is lying to you. Um, because the unfortunate reality is there is such a thing called supply and demand and those supplies and demands are always in flux. People are always juggling their finances, whether it's individuals or corporations, and those things don't always align. Um, there are going to be times of shortage and woe and famine and pestilence and all that fun stuff. Um, so... I think we need to realize that we live in such a world, we live in such a broken world where things such as job loss happen, so we need to prepare ourselves for it. A podcast I like, uh, Jordan Harbinger, great podcaster, he has, a, he has a phrase, a little catchphrase he tosses around on his show regularly, and it's something I kind of like and I think we should apply to our lives. Jordan says, we need to make sure we dig the well before you get thirsty. I like that phrase because it, to me it indicates that we need to make sure that we live a life of purpose on purpose. That we need to be proactive. That we don't just live reactionary lives and let life simply happen to us. We need to learn to swim so we can avoid drowning in case we do get thrown out of a boat or find ourselves in a predicament on the middle of a lake. Uh, we need to understand that life is full of surprises and things that we didn't plan on happening to us. Um, it's not possible to plan for anything and everything that could go wrong, but, but you can do things that will set you up for success in the long term. And these things, I believe, if you put them into practice, are likely to help you at some point in your life. So here are some tips I'm going to give you on how to handle job loss. Uh, these tips involve tips prior to job loss, as well as tips to utilize um, once you have inevitably lost your job. So here's my first tip. Build up your savings. I know it can be tempting to spend every dollar you have coming in and to live large, especially when it feels like money is just falling out of the sky 
And frankly, you know, if you're successful in your career and your profession and you excel at what you do, eventually somebody's going to notice and it is going to feel like sometimes money is falling out of the sky. I know it's not that way for everybody, but it does happen and it happens to a lot more uh, it happens to a lot more of us than I think many would admit. Um, but it doesn't feel like that because we live paycheck to paycheck because we love to spend money, right? And blow it on things. But we shouldn't be that way. I've learned that we should make sure that we build up an emergency savings account uh, and learn to save so that for the eventuality, you will lose your job. Most financial professionals that I've ever read have recommend that you should have at least three to six months of living expenses saved up for a rainy day. And I think this is a good rule of thumb. Uh, strive for that. And it's going to depend on your own situation. Uh, you know, it's going to depend if, you know, you have um, what sort of job you have, if it, you're in a one or two income household and all that fun sort of stuff. So you might need to adjust uh, and be more aggressive depending on how, uh, you know, influx your monthly income can be and how, so what sense of security you may have with your job. For example, my wife has a job as a government employee. She works for a school system as a librarian. Generally speaking, I consider her job to be a pretty safe and secure job. Uh, governments love teachers and they love throwing money at teachers or at least talking about throwing money at teachers. And it's not too often that you hear of job reductions in the teaching world. And when you do, it's usually part-time administrative staff, school bus drivers and lunchroom ladies and things of that nature. It's usually not too often that they actually take the ax to a teacher uh, and cut out teacher jobs. Uh, usually they have the problem of not being able to find enough teachers. Um, but, you know, that is something that can happen. And I realize that can happen, especially in this COVID world where... Uh, states are going to have find their budgets in a pinch. Um, so for me and my wife, though, uh, we feel pretty good, I would say, about her job situation and the stability of her job situation. Um, every school needs a librarian for the most part, and she does more than just read books to children. Uh, she's also involved with all sorts of media technology stuff at her school, so she's kind of like part-time librarian, part-time IT person. Um, and she helps supplement a lot of the technology issues uh, that teachers have need of. Um, but we feel pretty good about her job for the most part, even though we realize that things could, you know, change on that front. Uh, and I have a job that, you know, for generally speaking, can be stable. I work in the mortgage industry. And, you know, people are always needing loans. People are always moving. People are always needing housing. And so people always come to banks looking for loans. So mortgage can, generally be speaking, be a somewhat stable career. However, if you've worked in the mortgage industry any length of time, you will know for whatever sense of stability there is about the job that uh, you don't have to throw a stone very far to find somebody in the industry who has been laid off at some point simply due to the fluctuations of volume. Um, you know, some people complain in the mortgage industry that we're almost all like contract workers that... You know, the banks go crazy and hire us like gangbusters when they, you know, when people are just coming in when interest rates are low and real estate is hot, like it is right now. Um, but then as soon as it cools or it looks like it's getting ready to cool, they start just slashing jobs left and right. And, uh, you know, that's known to happen. 
So my wife and I, we kind of have a mixed situation where we have very good sense of stability with her income uh, as a teacher and, um, you know, relatively with mine. So we focus on having, try to have at least three months of emergency savings for living expenses because the idea that both of us would simultaneously lose our jobs at the same time seems unlikely. Um, so we're likely to um, only lose one source of income uh, should one of us become unemployed. And as a result, I think three months of savings uh, for living expenses is, is great because that would only result in a household reduction of one job instead of two. But, you know, our, everybody's situation is differently. If, if you live in a uh, world in which you have two incomes or one, only one income and your income's less than stable and highly fluctuates from month to month, you may want to consider having six months. But anyway... Um, that's going to be up to your personal situation. So let me just toss that out there. My next tip, tip number two, you should always be looking for your next job. When's the best time to start looking for your next job? The best time to start looking for your next job is not when you think you're getting ready to get laid off. It's not when you've been laid off or when you've been fired and let go or when you've quit. The first day you should start looking for another job is the first day you start any job. You should always, 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 always have a search agent going. And that's been always been my philosophy, no matter where I've worked over as long as I've been working as an adult. uh, I've always been searching for the next job. And the reason for this is not because I'm afraid of constantly getting laid off um, or because I'm some money hungry guy who's just looking to climb the corporate ladder and become CEO of the big bad bank that I work for. Uh, I have no such dreams, although I don't mind money and I don't mind promotional opportunities. Generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, I look to get a new job every two or three to five years um, just to, uh, you know, better myself uh, and all that stuff. But anyway, you should always be looking for another job, not only because you may be laid off one day, but you don't know what your next job is always going to be. And it's a good idea to have a search agent going if you have one um you know if your job has like an internal bulletin board in which you can search for work set up a search saving uh, save a search agent at your job so that you can always be notified of what jobs your company is hiring and that way you can learn what jobs not only are out there and that the company is looking for but you can start to you know learn what those the requirements of those jobs are you can learn about what it takes to get that job um and so you can start customizing your current job experience and building uh stepping stones for your next job at your current job so if you see a job requires uh 3 years of leadership experience or three years of database experience or three years of this or three years of that, you know, you can start taking inventory of your job skills and say, well, you know, what opportunities at work uh, that I'm presently facing would allow me to gain those requisite skills so that I can get the next job when I am ready in my time to choose my next job and to make that jump. Um, And I think the only way you can proactively do that is if you stay on top of things and you can get a sense of what your company's hiring for and where they're hiring it. 
Um, and you can even set up a job search recommendation for outside your company, whether it's through LinkedIn or Indeed or CareerFinder or what have you. Um, you know, set, set up a job search just so you always know which way the winds are blowing so that by the time you're ready to set sail, <laughs> you can catch that wind and, and go with it to your next job. Or so that whenever you actually find yourself in need of a job because you get laid off, um, you will have already been doing the, the necessary work to prepare yourself for that next job. And it's been my experience that if you work with that philosophy, it won't be hard to climb the corporate ladder to find that next job uh, and to better yourself uh, professionally in whatever career path you may ultimately be taking. Because the worst thing you can do is to get a job and just sit there and say, I like this one and I'm never going to do anything else. And that's not to say you may not find a job that you say, man, I like this one, and then you end up not, never doing anything else. And, and that's perfectly fine and perfectly okay. But we're talking about preparing ourselves for the eventuality of a job loss. And whether you're happy with your job or you're miserable with your job or you're indifferent to your job or whatever the case is, at the end of the day, we're trying to prepare ourselves for the eventuality of, of job loss. And so I think we need to be proactive. We need to dig that well um, before we run out of water um, and before we get thirsty. So if we take that approach uh, and we're always digging that well, um, if we should find ourselves in a situation where we might be a little thirsty, we will have already made the necessary uh, preparations in our life to be able to make that important leap when the time comes. So my next tip, keep track of your professional accomplishments. I keep a little spreadsheet going at work for any major task or projects I accomplish. And I use this not only for the purpose of my end-year reviews so I can tell my boss what a wonderful human being that I've been at work and why you know, I've helped the, the company increase its profitability and do great things, but I also do it for keeping track of developing my resume. Um, because it can be really hard if you're just having to kind of think on your feet about what did I do this past year when you need to tell your boss what you did this past year uh, for your end of year review. Or, you know, if you're sitting there trying to think, what did I do for my uh, career this past year that I can put as a bullet point or a talking point on my resume? Well, if you keep track of it on a spreadsheet, you can know. Like, for example, uh, I recently updated my resume and I and I, on my resume, um, I put uh, that I was responsible for, in my current position, the training of over 100 mortgage underwriters um, in my current position. And I wouldn't have known that and been able to be that specific on my resume about some accomplishment that I had had I not been tracking it to begin with. Um, otherwise, I would just be able to put a generic bullet point on my resume that says, uh, trained underwriting teams. Well, that's pretty generic. But if I can specify that I said I trained 100 underwriters at work, which do you think is going to stand out a bit more to any future uh, HR person or hiring manager looking to consider me and any future job roles that I may have? I'm going to guess it's going to be the one where I'm able to have on my resume trained over 100 
underwriters. But again, I wouldn't have known that if I'd not been tracking my accomplishments on a spreadsheet. And it's very simple. I just keep a spreadsheet uh, saved on my hard drive and I put very basic information on it related to my job at work and I keep track of it. And I occasionally update my resume at work and my LinkedIn profile and all that sort of fun stuff. Um, so, you know, that way I'm always fresh. That way I'm always current. That way I'm always tracking and knowing what I've done. Um, and that way I don't have to ever just make stuff up. I don't have to fill my resume with fluff. I don't have to, you know, BS my way through my next interview uh, when a recruiter or HR person or hiring manager looks at me and asks me a question. I'll always have stories and accomplishments on hand that I can pull out and draw from so that I can speak to. Um, and I think that's a powerful thing. And uh, it's one that I learned from a coworker, a friend of mine at work uh, a number of years back. And I think it's been pretty powerful um, in helping me advance my career. Like I said, every about two or three years or so, I'm, I'm getting a promotion at work, taking on a new opportunity. And I've been able to climb pretty high pretty quickly in my estimation. Now, that's not to say I'm like some, you know, chief executive person or I don't even have any aspirations for such. Um, but in the world of underwriting, I've done pretty well for myself. And I'm not trying to sit, say that as a braggart, but I have. I'm, I'm, I'm awesome <laughs> when it comes to my job. And uh, I think uh, had I not captured all that awesomeness on a spreadsheet, as much as you may hate spreadsheets, learn to keep a basic one. You know, it's not hard to, to draw a couple tables in Excel and add a new column every now and then of something that you did. Um, so keep track of that sort of stuff, just so you're always up to date and always on the know. My next tip, always have a resume ready to go and update it pretty periodically. When I was previously laid off, there was a job that I applied for that was only open two more days before it was taken down and no longer posted. And I managed to get that job a couple months later after I went through all the interview process and everything. But had I not already had a resume on hand, a generic resume, ready to send out and ready to tweak and ready to fill in the blanks and ready to update, you know, I would have probably missed out on that opportunity. And I probably wouldn't be sitting here now talking about it. Um, and I wouldn't have probably made the accomplishments that I've made since then in my particular profession. So always have a resume ready to go. Uh, keep it as a resume on your computer at home. Don't just leave it at work because if you ever get told, hey, you have to turn over your laptop now and you don't have time to download your resume and send it to your personal computer or anything like that, um, make sure you always keep that on your personal computer just in case work decides to take it away. Um, you know, always have a resume ready to go, one that you can custom tailor later, um, so that you can roll out and move into the next job. And my next tip, while it's always good to have a generic resume to go, always, 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 always make sure you customize each resume for every company, for every job that you apply for. Read the job description of the job you are applying for. And do a little research about the position or the company you're applying to 
and tweak your resume for each and every single job. Since you're, and if you are unemployed <laughs> and you are laid off like I was, since when, if you find yourself unemployed, you have a lot of time in order to do this. Um, when I was laid off, I easily spent on average four or more hours a day searching for a job and tweaking my resume to reflect keywords that I thought was important. And it, it's important you do this because a lot of human resource companies and job placement agencies and stuff like that, yes, there's a lot of them that are still old-fashioned and read every single resume that come in. But increasingly, because of resumes um, being submitted at such a rapid pace and in such a high volume these days, they'll get 100, 200 resumes plus for each job. Well, they're not going to sit there and spend um, all that time reading through every single one of those resumes. So often, many of them will use keyword search algorithm tools that help them weed out the good resumes from the bad. Um, so those resumes are often looking for keywords and key numbers to be reflected in your resume. Um, and if they're not, well, the screening tool is going to kick you to the curb and you are not going to get a job, um, or you're going to have a very difficult time finding a job. So make sure every resume you read, don't be afraid to use some of the keywords that you saw uh, the buzzwords, especially in like the required section of any job you applied for. Don't be afraid to use some of those keywords that they might have used in the required skills section of a, a job posting in your actual resume because you can bet dollars to donuts that there's going to probably be a software tool out there scrubbing resumes looking for those keywords. So the best you can, uh, truthfully build those into your resume so that you can ensure the job agents find you. And my next tip for handling the layoff, make sure that you keep a spreadsheet that tracks every job you apply for, when you applied for them, and who the individuals were that you might have spoken to or learned about, um, and save every single resume and attach it to a spreadsheet associated with that job you applied for. And the reason this is helpful is because it can, when you're unemployed and you're pretty much finding yourself applying for just about every job you think you might be qualified for, you're going to lose track of who you've applied for jobs. Um, and you're going to lose track of what company you applied for. Um, you're going to lose track of who the hiring manager was or anybody you might have spoken to. So make sure you put all that stuff on a spreadsheet and every custom resume you sent in and uploaded, make sure you save that and associate it with it so that should that hiring manager call you back, you're not like, hey, who are you again? What company are you with? And not have any clue what resume you sent them. Because, you know, when you do go to interview for a job, they're going to have the resume you sent them, um, especially <laughs> increasingly now that uh, hiring is happening remotely, you're not going to have a chance to hand somebody a paper resume with your latest and greatest on it. Um, so make sure whatever resume you submit is a resume you save on your computer locally and keep track of um, so that you can speak to it. And, you know, whenever possible, also what I do is 
I go ahead and print as a PDF copy whatever job I apply for. So I just take a screen capture if possible or I just hit the print button and save my print as a PDF. That way, if I do get called back for the job and I don't exactly remember what job I applied for, because frankly, after you've applied for 10 or 20, 30, 40 jobs, you start, they all kind of start to blur together. Um, make sure that you have that saved as well um, so that if they do call back, you can speak intelligently and know what job you applied for, what the re requirements are, and so that if you do get selected to interview, that you can properly prepare for that interview. And again, since you're unemployed, you have so much time on your hands. So make it your full-time or at least part-time job to find your next job. Um, and if you do that, I believe you will be set up for a lot of success in your job search. So keep that spreadsheet and track everything you apply for and save every resume after tweaking every resume for every job. My next tip, when interviewing for a job, always prepare ahead of time the best you can for possible interview questions. Think of those questions, write them down, and if possible, prepare short little um, talking points and stories that you believe you'll be able to share with the recruiter, HR, manager, person that you're going to talk with um, ahead of time and write them out. Uh, memorize those talking points and put them on a little notepad um, and take that notepad with you when you go to your interview. And it's especially great if um, you have such stories written out when you're doing interviews remotely um, because you can literally sit there and flip through your pad and nobody will be the wiser. But even if you're going to an in-person interview, I've always done this, is I always had uh, a very couple short stories written out, some talking points briefly in the portfolio that I was carrying around. Because um, I go to an interview not only to, to share my stories, but to also take notes of anything HR or the manager might say. Um, so they're perfectly happy, I've found, with me being so prepared for an interview to have so those things on hand so that I can just quickly at a glance write something down or read something or something to jog my memory because there's nothing worse than finding yourself in a job interview and being asked a question and to look at them and say, I know I have relevant experience that can speak to this question, but draw a blank. And I've been there and I've done that and I've not been afraid to tell the manager, let me, let me come back to that question later so I can start thinking of something. Um, but I've also increasingly found the more I'm prepared for all the possible eventualities of all the situational type questions that they usually ask you on job interviews, the better off I am um, and the more likely I am to get the job. And, the, and a way you can also, if you don't know what type of questions you might get during a job interview, Leverage websites like Glassdoor, which will allow you to usually search for the corp name of the corporation that you're uh, looking to get hired for. And usually you'll find that there have already been dozens, if not hundreds of people who have reported, hey, I did an interview for X company and these are the questions they asked me during the interview. Um, and so you'll have a very good idea of what it is you're likely to be asked in your next interview. Because these companies, they all use the same questions and uh, HR doesn't allow uh, lending manage or managers and all that stuff just to ask their own random questions 
Uh, they have to ask very specific targeted questions, situational type questions that are generally speaking outside of their own ability to choose. Um, and so, you know, you can use websites like that to kind of study for the test. <laughs> so study for the test if you can, or even just if you can't find your, your company that you're looking to interview for on Glassdoor, um, you can, um, you know, just Google search ideas for interview questions related to the industry that you're applying for, or even just look up, you know, competitors to whoever you might be applying for. Like if you work at Bank of America and you're looking to get a, a job at JP Morgan and you can't find any questions online anywhere, see if you can't find any questions for what somebody asked at like Chase or Wells Fargo or what have you. Um, so look at similar industries, see what types of questions they asked for similar jobs. And, uh, I believe you will hit the ball out of the park when it comes to, uh, interview. If you do that, you will interview very, very well, um, and increase your likelihood of getting the job. And my next tip, stay physically active and take care of yourself. Pray. Read your Bible, shower, talk to your wife, look good, feel good, be good, right? <laughs> you know, I think it's so easy to do, especially when you know you don't have to go into work for the next, you know, week, two weeks, month, two months, six months, or whatever you think it might end up being before you uh, interview. Um, but uh, I, I found if you keep your faculties sharp and you keep yourself fresh and you just do what you must to take care of yourself on a normal basis, you know, you'll be more ready and you'll fight that, you know, possible slump you might get in um, while you're unemployed and the depression and the blues that you may face of saying, wow, man, nobody wants me. My life is in ruin. What am I going to do financially? And it'll, it'll help you deal with stress and all sorts of emotional stuff that you're going through. Because, you know, frankly, going through job loss can be emotionally taxing and very difficult to take care of yourself through. Um, so watch out after yourself. Like, like that, that clip at the beginning that I played from George Clooney. It's like experiencing a death in the family when you experience job loss. I know for me, personally, um, it, it was a very traumatizing thing. And it's something that still affects me to this day. I, I like to kind of liken um, my having been laid off before to post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I've not been diagnosed such by a uh, psychologist or anything, but there's definitely a sense of shell shock after losing a job. And it's kind of something that haunts you for the rest of your days. In fact, there's seldom been a day since I got laid off. There's seldom been a day that I've worked in, you know, in the past five, six years that I didn't think that, wow, I could go in today and lose my job. I could go in today and get laid off. Um, and so you, you experience a trauma when you get laid off. And if you're not careful to take care of yourself and to be active and to be involved um, and to just look out after your own well-being to the best of your ability, then you may find yourself getting into a downward spiral from which it is very hard to escape. And then you'll start going on interviews, and in your interviews, instead of being this shiny professional 
who a company believes they can uh, put their trust in to do a job and do it well, you'll reek of desperation. And I don't know about you, but most people don't like associating themselves with desperate people. When you were dating, <laughs> usually if you found yourself desperately panting after another, um, that person tended to reject you, right? Am I right? <laughs> Desperation's not an attractive quality. It's not an attractive quality when you're trying to find a bait, and it's not an attractive quality when you're trying to find a job. And if you appear desperate because you've been not taking care of yourself, um, because you've not been centering yourself and finding emotional, intellectual, spiritual, physical balance uh, in your life, and it's going to come across that way uh, when you're looking for a job and your recruiter is going to feel more like you're trying to take them hostage in order to employ you than it is as somebody who could be a valued team member and contributor and somebody who can impart value at the company that you're trying to get hired for in that position. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, episode 84. That time I was laid off from work and tips for handling job loss. I hope my sharing of my personal story and the difficulties that I faced when I got laid off uh, just a couple months into my marriage um, have been something that have been beneficial to you. If so, share it with others. I know there's a lot of people right now who are hurting, a lot of people who are going through job loss. And it's still possible. I can see. I've I've mixed. I've missed the the axe that could lay me off. Um, you know this time, but who knows what may happen a month or two months or six months or a year or two from now. That job loss thing may eventually be mine yet again, and I may receive a pink slip one day at work. I may log into my system at home and find that I have a notification from human resources telling me that I need to call into a conference line uh, unexpectedly. So I want to do my best to prepare for that. And I always want to be sharp so that you know, no matter what happens, that I've planned, that I've been proactive, that I dug a well before I got thirsty, um, that I planned for the eventuality and didn't pretend to live in a world where I imagined I had some sort of job security that never existed to begin with. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com. Share this episode if it's been a blessing to you. Like it. Uh, I'm on social media. If you want to reach out to me on Facebook, on Twitter, you can find links uh, to my Facebook and Twitter accounts at jimmystable.com. Or you can email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. And oh yeah, by the way, be sure to give this... Uh, podcast to review. If you're listening on Apple, you can do that at the Apple podcast tool. Uh, other websites uh, may not allow for it. Depends which one you're at. Uh, but hey, I'm on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all the other fun places that podcast may be found. So be sure to leave me your five-star review. Don't leave me your one or three-star reviews. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? <laughs> How's that going to benefit anybody, right? Glowing five-star reviews every single time because that's what I aim to do. I hope to provide you five-star content every single time. 
And usually I probably only give you three-star content, but hey, you know, I'm trying, right? And you're impressed by me for trying, right? So A for effort. <laughs> so everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. Thanks much.